Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Two Point Conversion. It's the Monday pregame show here on the Going for Two Live Network, our Week 15 episode. Of course, uh, as always, head over to the Going for Two Live YouTube page if you want to chat and interact with us. I'm Kyle Senra. I'm here ready to talk some fantasy football. Uh, Gladys is here as well. How are you doing, Gladys? Hanging in there, Kyle. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Your Steelers got the win, well, so uh, obviously I'm hoping uh, the Packers do the well. same. How are you doing, Gladys? Uh, I think um, the Packers will have the win tonight. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll. Okay. Guess we're already getting into the the prop bets. Well, actually, maybe not really, because they're they are favored. So just thinking yeah. that win might not cover the spread, but we'll we'll touch on that at the end. Of course, every Monday night we always touch on uh, the the Monday night game uh, prop betting for both the, the game higher lower on the over under and also we'll get into some player props as well but before all that we'll talk fantasy football injuries because every week there's tons uh and as every week we always have the great expertise of dr james ferretti author of the incredibly awesome fantasy football book injuries suck but your fantasy team doesn't have to this book definitely doesn't suck it's awesome and doc's advice is great so doc good to see you glad to have you Hi, on. guys Hi guys, good to be here. It's just the three of us this week. We don't have uh, Discord Dan. He's, uh, I don't know, he's had uh, some he's swirling on a European it. vacation, I think. So wow, nice. Uh, so it's about wolves and hunting. Uh, yeah, or, if you're or, watching, or wolves, uh, living, sleeping with wolves. I don't know. Wait, if you're watching <laughs> the replay, Discord Dan, have a good time. We're gonna try <laughs> to hold it down for you. Uh, well, is going. he in the chat at one in the morning? I guess not. Maybe he does. Yes, yeah, probably but. not. Oh, Dan, so disappointed. Uh, Dan did send us his props, though, and and uh, and so yeah, we'll we'll definitely have that all covered. We'll uh, we'll touch on all that as uh, we get to it. But yeah, I, I was there anything before we get into the injury talk that either of you wanted to discuss? Jalen Hurts, like Jalen Hurts' injury, or just him as a performer, like a fantasy football god? It seems um, him as a fantasy football god, him as a potential date mate, and then him as his injuries. Doc can do it all. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, well, well. Before we get to the doc's injuries, Gladys, did you want to say anything about Jalen Hurts then? Uh, besides that, um, I love him, and he's smoking hot, even though he plays for the Eagles. No. <laughs> I, I mean, I agree. He is smoking hot. I love having him on my fantasy teams too. So the smoking hot fantasy points definitely. I got beaten by Jalen Hurts this week in one of my oh, fantasy yeah. leagues, and uh, I don't care. I don't care. Devin, it's okay. like, I'm okay. Devin on the, I'm okay with it. Okay. Devin on the Thursday night show eliminated me from the playoffs. Me having to go up against Hertz. I think uh, there's another league that's still up for grabs tonight. I don't know if we'll touch on that a little bit, but also went up against Hertz. So while I had Josh Allen, like, yeah, this is great. And it's like, oh, wait, I'm playing against Jalen Hertz. Like, <laughs> Jalen Hertz. So, it. Yeah. It's okay. There is, there is something that I wanted to talk about before we got into injuries. <laughs> and right. as you, as you know, and as the audience probably knows by now, I'm a Las Vegas Raiders fan and it has to win. Been, yeah. <laughs> It hasn't been a great ride this season, to say the least. However, the it, I don't know if it completely makes up for the tuck rule game because the stakes are significantly different. <laughs> However, I, it does give me a little bit of, of appreciation for the fact that the ending of that game will live on in infamy for the Patriots organization. I think they're going to be showing highlights of that for the next like 50 years. And I'm here for it. Like, it's like, I just want to know, like, they've had so much success for the last 25 years or so. Like, just for them to just have just a little taste of the horrific embarrassment that that you had to endure by watching, like, the highlights of, you know, teams getting beat by the Patriots, especially the Raiders, um, you know, back in the tuck rule game. What makes it so astoundingly horrific is that it was tied. 
They could have gone brutal. into overtime. It wasn't like they were going to lose the game. Just I was like, what is happening? I really thought that the score was wrong, that they were going to lose. I'm like, why are they Why are they doing this? And then I was like, oh, I don't care because they lost on that play. And Chandler Jones face planning Mac was like the best thing. That was rough. That was like the best part of it. You got it was like back in back in the nineties when you get posterized, right? When you'd like, exactly. be like Michael Jordan dunking on you. Dunking on like, you. There's gonna be a poster of like Mac Jones or an NFT of Mac Jones just getting pile driven into the turf by Chandler Jones, Chandler Jones and his arms are outstretched like, <laughs> like it was I think that's not that's not gonna be great for him. But. I wanna see a frame where it's like you can see Jones and Jones, like both the Jones names together. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. A, like you know, awesome. clearly not the same person, not the same position, but Doc, as a Raiders fan, has, because I've heard, you know, listening to Terry Biggs on the Full Press Raiders podcast, sounds like Chandler Jones has been completely disappointing this year, hasn't really contributed significantly in any way at all, and goes and wins them the game, right? So it's like ultimate redemption story. It's worth every penny they paid him this year, which is a lot on that contract. Yeah. I mean, uh, to be fair, there's a long list of people who haven't really performed that great this year. Um, it's kind of been a team effort, <laughs> but they have won. I think it's like they've won five out of their last six or something like that. Yeah, one so, loss since Derek Cry Derek Cry, Cry card in the press Derek, card for Yeah, yeah, I said yeah. that wrong. There you go. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, so it's very reminiscent of of last year too. Like they were, they looked True. dead on arrival. You know, I think they were what like six and ten or something like that. And no, it couldn't have been. But they were they were like six and eight or something like that. And then they ended up like going on this crazy run. I'm not saying that's going to happen again. And the the playoff picture in the AFC looks significantly different, but at least for the last month or so, which is in very stark contradistinction of the first two months of the season, it hasn't been quite so painful to be a Raiders fan. So, um, so I'll take it. So would you rather them have lost these games and Josh McDaniels has a chance of being fired or them having this win streak and Josh McDaniels would be around next year? I mean, I'd rather have them win because I don't think they were going to fire Josh McDaniels anyway. Like, I don't think they can afford to. It's like I think they're paying like three coaches right now, and <laughs> if they had to hire somebody else, it would be four coaches. It's like sooner or later, um, you know, Mark Davis is going to run out of money. I mean, we definitely know he's not spending money on haircuts, so um, <laughs> I think he's I think he's kind of cut the budget to the bone as it is. So uh, I'll take the wins, you know, because you never know. You never know yeah. what could happen, and, sure. and you know, I'm not completely out on Josh McDaniels as a coach. I mean, he definitely hasn't hadn't shown much for the first two months, but you know, me, you know, all growth isn't linear like we talk about. So maybe he is finally kind of getting acclimated to being a coach. <laughs> there'll be some hope for the, for the future, but we'll see. So doc, I was curious. I just went back and looked at the Raiders 2021 season. They won the first three games this season and the, mm-hmm. and the last four. So there was mm-hmm. a middle stretch where they went three and seven. Yeah. So just like riding the waves. Right. Yeah, it was. They were absolutely brutal, but we got there. All right, so got a question here uh, from right. Gerald. So uh, thank you, Gerald Dragley. Uh, Drag is that an L or a J? It's a J. That's a J. Yeah. It's a J. Man, I need to wear. I need glasses or something. Oh wait, oh. Um, <laughs> hey guys, I'm down by 32 with one flex spot left. Currently, AJ Dillon is in, but whatever options or waiver options are, Cam Akers, Van Jefferson, Tutu Atwell, etc. Who has a shot at getting 30? Thanks. I mean, I would say it's AJ Dillon, right? If, it's, yeah. like, if he can score multiple touchdowns, I don't yep. see the huge touchdown advantage really from any running backs. It might be through the passing game, really, of Aaron Rodgers only. So 
I don't think you're, yeah, I don't, yeah, just stick with Dylan. Yeah. I can, uh, yeah, I think, I think the Cleveland connoisseur, as Dan uh, coined him, said it perfectly. I don't think those guys will get 30 combined. So, wait, when did we start calling Jimmy the Cleveland connoisseur? Well, Dan did. Oh, I guess it's, it's, it, it isn't technically we unless you start doing it. Then it's just us that start doing it. Maybe, maybe you didn't recognize it because it wasn't in his accent. The Cleveland <laughs> connoisseur. I think he he calls him that on on uh, his Friday show or Wednesday oh. last week. But the B leagues pick him. B league pick ems. Okay. B leagues picks them. That's what I appreciate most about you guys. B's leagues yeah. picks. I'm, um, I'm in I'm in the letter Kenny mood. What can I say? And I oh yeah, I was mis I misinformed anyone. I actually did make it through the uh, playoffs in Scott Fishbowl. I mentioned nice. last week I was down yeah. outside Kyle's the top a, one. Kyle's a snake in the grass. He was just like, oh, I don't think I made it. Oh, surprise, I did make it. Yeah, I, I guess what, what, I, I remember what happened. I looked at my score before the Sunday night game, and then I kind of, oh, 112, yeah. Then I forgot, oh, yeah, I have Austin Eckler going. So last week, Austin Eckler kind of went off, and I moved up like 800 spots in the rankings. So it's nice. like, okay, never mind. <laughs> worked well. So uh, looking good for this week. I think actually, I think seven of us from going for two look like we're going to advance into the semifinal. I wouldn't, round. I would not be so sure about that because I'm really close to the cut line. Oh, and you the are? Cut okay. line, at least in the past, has moved significantly after the Monday night game. And there's a lot of people that are like two or three points on the bad oh. side of the cut line. So I, I might be, I might be getting booted off the island in about three hours or so. But, you know, fingers crossed that this game is a complete bust. Then I got it. <laughs> I got a shot. As of right now, I'm, I'm above the line. So. We'll see what happens. So six, potentially seven members of going for two, getting to week 16, the penultimate week. Uh, I believe I'm the only person from my division to make through. Uh, there were four of us in the Letterkenny division entering this week. It seems like I'm the only one that will make it through. So nice. Got to rep the Letterkenny a little stronger. So. Nice, nice. nice. Uh, but yeah, we can start talking about these injuries, Doc. So uh, yeah. I guess we, we, we already started talking about Jalen Hurts. Do you want to continue the conversation? Yeah, we might as well start at the top. So this one was kind of late breaking um adam Schefter broke it i think a few hours ago um, if we cannot say his name ever again on our show can we just say yeah no, no kidding um okay. someone so, broke it. so Thank he you. who shall remain nameless um <laughs> broke the story and jalen hurts he's got a shoulder sprain so what that is is an injury to the acromioclavicular joint or the ac joint <laughs> of the uh shoulder and the issue is it's his throwing shoulder so the severity at this point is unclear if it was his non-throwing shoulder not really that big of a deal. We saw Baker Mayfield play with this injury last year for better or for worse. Mostly worse. Issue is, is that since it's his throwing shoulder, this is obviously going to hamper his ability to throw. The only silver lining, if there is one, is, is that when you roster Jalen Hurts on your team, it's because of his ability to run and not necessarily to throw. So this is the question I have for you guys. The Eagles have a two-game lead on the Vikings for the number one seed. They have a three-game lead on Dallas for the division. So the Eagles are in a position to rest them for a few weeks if they so choose, and that would mean that it could be Minshew Mania time <laughs> in the city of brotherly love. And he has been serviceable uh, for you know a decent part of his career, um, his short career as an NFL QB. Um, so this, I mean, this kind of reminds <coughs> me of Carson Wentz and uh, the resurgence of Nick Foles from the Eagles Super Bowl run a few years ago. But I think that. <laughs> It's not so much that could he play through the injury. I think he could. I think he could get by on short passes. I think he'd get by with running the ball. The real the real issue is is that the Eagles don't just like they're already in the playoffs. Like they want to win the Super Bowl. And and them advancing far at this point has almost been a foregone conclusion. So it's like they really want to protect their 
ability to do that. And that's the reason that I'm more suspicious that they could opt to sit him down for a week or two, which is the absolute like nightmare scenario for anybody that has him on their fantasy team. Who I mean, he's basically been the MVP of the league up to this point. So, you know, I don't know. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that because this one's really kind of hard to handicap. It's like they could run him out there, but because of the position that the team is in, they could also just opt to to kind of protect their situation and, and let it marinate for a couple of weeks, see if Gardner Minshew can squeak out a win, lock up the bye, and, you know, get them where they need to be, and then they can kind of just, you know, shut them down for the rest of the regular season potentially. I don't know what the starting line was, but as of right now, the Cowboys are a six-point favorite over mm, the wow. Eagles for next week. It has to be because of the injury. I mean, there's no way. Yeah. It has to be because of the injury. I yeah, I, I would thought not... I looked at. Go ahead. Well, what I looked this morning, I think it was one and a half. I believe yeah. uh, favor of the Cowboys at home. So yeah, they, now it's six. It's a five point swing already. Five point swing already. I I would not play him against Michael Parsons in that defensive line. Although Land, uh, I think Leighton Vanderish is out. But that's all Michael Parsons has been talking about. You know, he wants to tee off on Jalen Hurts. Why? Why even subject him to that mm. with that shoulder? I would sit him for the next game. They don't need. They play the Saints after. So so say they don't win the Cowboys, they're going to be the Saints with Gardner, Minshew, or not. So I would sit him. But I say that, and I have no Jalen Hurts on any of my fantasy teams. So so I think for anyone who does, the, the, the complicated thing is it sounds like they're maybe not going to decide until Saturday, which is when they play. And it's Saturday afternoon. So there are only seven games that are at the time the Eagles play or later. So you've only got 14 teams mm. to choose from assuming you're going to go in with Hertz on your team. You need to, and you want to have like have him ready to play in case he's active. You need someone from one of those 14 teams, like ready as your backup, just looking on the, obviously you've got the Cowboys, Dak Prescott, probably already rostered uh, to a tongue of Iloa, probably already rostered. Um, Justin Herbert's in that mix, so probably already rostered. So you're, you're choosing basically between Taylor Heineke, Brock Purdy, Derek Carr, Mitch Trubisky, Aaron Rodgers. Gardner Minshew. Why wouldn't you just pick up Minshew? Well, and, and that was my point was, is Gardner <clears throat> Minshew the best option anyway relative to all these other options? Like um, Tom Brady, I guess, plays then too. Um, yeah. I don't know. Is there any name I named that you would play it you would rather pick up over Minshew or is, is it just simpler just to go with the the Eagles QB regardless of who it is if you have Hurts then handcuff with Minshew uh I might think of uh if Trubitsky's playing instead of Pickett against the Raiders no offense doc not thank you and um Yeah. The one, the one name again. Assuming that Dak and Tua are rostered, like if if those guys are available, I think they're the pickup. But I'm gonna assume that they're rostered. I was thinking maybe Derek Carr, honestly, but I think the one name I would maybe be most intrigued on. I think I'd rather get Brock Purdy than Gardner Minshew. Just the way you he's don't been think playing. Brock Purdy's, you think Brock Purdy's available? Right, he may yeah. or may not be. I mean, he may not haven't. It's not exactly like people are like That's true. You know, believers. You know, but. Uh, I mean, I think, he, I think he's rostered in a certain percentage of leagues, but and he was questionable this week, so he may actually be out there. A Thursday game, too, he was questionable, so some people may not have known what to do. So there might be a chance. I think if there is, I'd rather Purdy, but to Gladys's point, if he's already rostered, yeah, Minshew might be the best option available. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, uh, I know I, the one, I think I've only got Hurts on one playoff team, 
and it's it was a two QB league uh, with Hertz and Herbert. And one of the things I made sure I did, I, I've been rostering Chase Daniel and Gardner Minshew all season. Yeah, uh, it's been tough to get backups. I remember I, I remember I tried to buy Heineke for a third when it was unclear that he was going to start, but manager wanted a second. I, I said, nah, forget it. I think I think I picked up PJ Walker and to ride him for those couple weeks on the bye weeks and stuff. So basically, the one league where I have hurts, that's exactly what I'm doing. I've already got had Minshew handcuffed anyway, uh, and yeah, just gonna ride him there. I don't I don't think I have another option to play with. So if if hurts is out, Minshew's in for me. Yeah, and the thing with Minshew is he can run like he he has won games in the past. Uh, I mean, he's he's not a complete empty chair. So it's like I, I, there there are people that we in some some cases have been forced to kind of put out there the last couple of weeks because of all the quarterback injuries. Um, so like Minshew is by far and away not the worst name that we've contemplated potentially starting <laughs> either in a one QB or like a two QB or super flex format over the last couple of weeks. So I think he could do a lot worse is, is kind of my point. And he's got a lot of weapons around him. It's a good team. It's good defense. Um, the game still has the potential to shoot out. Um, so, I mean, if Brock Purdy can go out there and, and put up, you know, borderline QB one numbers over the last couple of weeks, then, you know, Gardner Minshew can, you know, give you, give you some decent production too, and get you over the hump. Gators here. Um, Gators from close to where Minshew kind of emerged with the Jaguars, I believe. Um, yeah. I think and that game is a Jacksonville. Uh, shout out to Brad Harvin, uh, the, yeah. the Jaguars uh, aficionado. So we know he's, yeah. we know he's a, a Minshew, you know, he, he's got a, a Minshew uh, bandana and goatee uh, somewhere. <laughs> I, for some reason, think we may talk about Minshew on the full press fantasy pod this week, but we'll, we'll no, listen to that later. Uh, but yeah. Um, I guess the the big news, a couple of huge, massive implication running back injuries with ankle injuries. I mean, and this first one, just such massive implications for a team that really trying to find identity. I know there's, you know, the quarterback's been switching and it's, you know, no one's sure about the head coach and just this, you know, this, this team that feels like they're on the verge, this amazing running back is on night. No, I wasn't talking about Jonathan Taylor, yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, we can, we can touch about on both. I don't know if we know the details of Zonovan Knight yet, but it sounds like we kind of know what type of ankle injury Jonathan Taylor has, unfortunately. Yeah. So let, let's start with, uh, Jonathan Taylor. Um, so the thing is this, this literally is adding injury to insult after the way, um, the game against the Vikings went for Indianapolis this week after being up 33 to nothing and then finding a way to lose the game. Um, and all the, all the stories around that. And then, losing Jonathan Taylor in that game to a high ankle sprain, possibly his second high ankle sprain injury of the year. That's still somewhat in question, but this injury is definitely a high ankle sprain or has been diagnosed as a high ankle sprain. And he's been dealing with ankle injuries all year. This one almost assuredly ends his 2022 campaign. So he finishes at just over a thousand total yards from scrimmage and four total TDs on the year. And this means that Deion Jackson and Zach Moss stand to split the reps at running back in some fashion from here on out for Indianapolis. So I have one thing, and then I'm going to kick it over to you guys. So if you guys will harken back to the beginning of the year where people were deciding whether or not to take Jonathan Taylor with the first overall pick, and there's lots of valid reasons to do that. But one of the reasons that I kind of heard bandied about was, well, he's less likely to get injured than – whomever Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey was typically the other guy example. that was going in that conversation. And the thing is, I just want to point this out. Taking Jonathan Taylor was not a bad pick. If you took him with your first overall pick. However, if you took him 
because you felt like he was less prone to be injured, that's a bad process. And it didn't work out this way. There was no guarantee he was going to get injured or not. But I hope that the point is, as an injury analyst, the lesson that I could try to impart to the audience is football is a dangerous sport. Players are likely to get injured, you know, much more, you know, especially at the running back position than other players. And there's inherent risk with any running back in the NFL. Granted, there are some that have more risk, but because a player has not been hurt up until that point does not mean he has inherently less risk. It's just relative less risk, but there's still significant risk associated with that. So the point is, is that evaluate the players based on their upside and based on what you think they're going to do, but don't fall into the trap of saying, well, this person hasn't been hurt. So therefore he's less likely to get injured. It's just a bad process and it can lead you down the road to ruination. As we saw this year, I'm sure everybody that took Jonathan Taylor with the first pick is probably if they could go back and do it again, the vast majority of them would take either Christian McCaffrey or Justin Jefferson. With the Which is what pick. the Cleveland connoisseur did. Not Nick Chubb, strangely. But yeah, Jamie was apparently ahead of the curve there. Yeah, you're saying so, so there you go. So that's, if you can learn something from, you know, injuries happen and, you know, you have to pivot. Um, that's just the nature of playing fantasy football. But if you can learn something from, you know, when these things happen, then that's that's how you improve and that's how you get better. If you just keep making the same decisions over and over again, then you're kind of, you know, going to stay stagnant. And that's not, that's not what it's all about. Certainly not why I'm here to try to, you know, try to help and try to educate. So uh, that being said, Deion Jackson and Zach Moss, who do you guys like going forward? Well, I'm thinking that if you took JT and you played him, you're probably not still in the playoffs. Well, you never um, know. I mean, you know, somebody else could have. I am had, speaking know, for myself. That, you know, got hurt. You Sorry, know, Gladys. Like, stranger yeah. things have happened. Yeti, Yeti played Kyler Murray and he advanced. So go figure. Yeah, I didn't play quarterback <laughs> and I advanced, but I wasn't playing anyone who had Jonathan Taylor. Um, I, I wouldn't choose. I wouldn't pick either of them to go through the rest of the playoffs. Indianapolis is too. That offense is just. Um, not steady, I guess is the word I'm, I want to use. That is one way to put it. <laughs> so if I I I don't I don't know I wouldn't I wouldn't pick either of them. You I might think. go to another team's backup running back that's available yeah. as opposed to have to take a, a Colts. Maybe back. Michael Carter or someone on the Jets. Mm-hmm. Where I know they're going to run the ball. Yeah. Jonathan, if Jonathan's Knight. not playing, yeah, if Jonathan Knight's out. Who I have too. I, so it was just a really good weekend. All my running backs just like the one thing I want to look up. Did did Zach? I don't think Zach Moss caught any passes this past week. Zach Moss has seven receptions on the year. So I, I think, think six of them were in the first the first <laughs> game when he was uh, he might have still been on. <laughs> yeah, I think that's with Buffalo. I don't think he's caught passes with the Colts. And I think Deion Jackson. I think he only had one reception in this game, but it was he, for this game. He's got twenty one catches on the year. Yeah, so I think and a lot of that came in the games when Jonathan Taylor was missing. So yeah. if I had to pick one, I think it would go Jackson because it seems like he'll be on the field for for all downs. I mean, he may, I mean, you know, I think they might split number of carries, but Jackson will be the pass catcher, especially if we think this team struggles. You know, we don't expect them to be up thirty three nothing every game, right? <laughs> yeah. So well. assuming that you'd probably want the guy who's going to be on third down because they're going to be behind. Now, j- just to continue the, the Jonathan Taylor conversation, Doc, was yeah. there more risk with Taylor, though, last year than most running backs? And this is something I had heard, a, a kind of a narrative. 
the 350 touch season? Is that something that we really should be weary of? And I looked last year, only two running backs hit 350 touches. Jonathan Taylor, Nadi Harris, largely disappointing seasons for both. And I think it was Derrick Henry the previous year. And I mean, he was not disappointing before he got hurt in 2021. Amazing. He was the RB1 for the first eight weeks of the season and then went down, but still that had had the 350 touches the year before. So yeah. do you think that accumulation made it, he was a bigger injury risk than McCaffrey who, I mean, he had injured the year before, but didn't clearly did not hit that 350 touch plateau. Like for instance, he did, I guess in 2019 before the 2020 injury season. Right. So there's kind of maybe some evidence to point that the 350 touch season, it, it doesn't look great for the running back the year after. Yeah, I think it's something to point to, but you know, I think there have been times where players did go over that threshold and then they were fine or they were at their usual level of, you know, high level production. So it's like you can keep pointing to it and then eventually, you know, father time's undefeated. So eventually mm-hmm. you're going to be right. Either you're going to get lucky in the, you know, quotation marks and the player is going to get hurt, so it'll point to that or the player will continue to exceed expectations for so long and then eventually we'll have a down season and then you can say like, "Aha, you know, I I knew it was going to happen." Um so, you know, the short answer with that is I don't, I don't know. Um, but the thing is, is that, you know, the, what I want to come back to is that if you took Jonathan Taylor, you got unlucky. Like there was no, I don't think there was anything predictive where you could say that you knew like the coach is going to get fired. They were going to have a quarterback carousel. Like the O-line was going to be much worse than it had been. The O-line was not going to play well. Like he was going to get hurt. Like all these things, like this confluence of things, like I don't think you could really predict any of that. And we talked about it a few weeks ago about retrospective bias, how these things only become clear in retrospect. Like if Jonathan Taylor goes out and has 200, uh, 2000 yards from scrimmage and scores 15 touchdowns, then there's no smoking gun, so to speak, to say, oh, I knew he was going to have a bad year. He just kind of defied, you know, all the expectations and everything that led up to him being the number one pick played out. And he has this amazing season. And conversely, with Christian McCaffrey, if he ends up pulling a hamstring or hurts his knee or something happens and he doesn't have a good season, then everybody can point and say, oh, see, I knew he was going to have a bad year. That's why I didn't touch him. But that didn't happen. So I think that sometimes you can have a good process and you can just have bad luck. And if that happens, you're most likely not going to be happy with the result. And I, I think that's what happened with Jonathan Taylor this year. That being said, going forward, I think, you know, he probably drops to, you know, middle of the first round in redraft leagues next year, maybe the end of the first round in some cases. And, you know, I would be in, I would be in on that because everything that, you know, made him be potentially the number one player in football, like he was last year is still in play. And with a little bit of luck, he could be right back there. So that's kind of the way that I, the way that I see it. I guess looking forward on those touch leaders, Josh Jacobs currently has 291 carries, 46 catches. So that's what, 235 touches so far? Or sorry, 335 touches. So just a couple weeks away, and he could probably hit that 350 mark. So I think we could have made, like, you know, right now, Josh Jacobs is the RB1 in fantasy in half point PPR leagues. He's scored the most, more than Eckler, more than McCaffrey, more than Derrick Henry. I don't think anyone's going to draft Josh Jacobs as the RB1. So maybe that's one where people are already going to be wary of anyway, but it does seem like a um, a year to maybe just be a little worried about Jacobs. He might be someone to really sell high on either right now, if you're, you know, if your trade deadlines aren't going and through a playoff push or early next season before the draft, when you know, people are still his RB one, you know, and we'll see if he finishes that way, but his uh, close to RB one season, if he doesn't, uh, 
is still fresh in people's minds. So I, I think, think in redraft too, it all depends where he lands. Like you yeah, have so many yeah. running backs that are on that are going to be in different behind different lines this year. So he may not even be a first I mean, round pick, year. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Derrick Henry at 296 carries and 30 receptions, so two uh, 326 touches. So he's right behind. So and uh, yeah, I just 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 for some food for thought on those players. But yeah, yeah definitely something to consider. Uh, and gladys to answer your question i guess i actually did survive a league with uh taylor uh getting hurt and still making it to the playoffs it took literally every point taylor heineke scored i think <laughs> i won by like 1.6 so like those 15 points he scored on sunday night uh, that was every every single one of those points was necessary so if he fumbled a third time i would have lost so thankfully that didn't happen um but yeah as uh as someone like on that team, I already did have Deion Jackson. So that might be a, someone to naturally just plug in the lineup. But I, at, to Gladys's point, I might look elsewhere. I think I also do have Michael Carter on that team. So if Zonovan Knight's out, that might almost be the preferred option. But uh, yeah, what, do we know any, much about Zonovan Knight, Doc? Uh, no. So we know he has an ankle injury, unknown severity at this point. Although they're saying he does have a chance to play. I don't know how much stock you put into that. The real confounder is, is that the Jets play on Thursday against Jacksonville. Um so this is just something to watch your practice reports and uh, be on the lookout for updates as far as, you know, any more information that comes out as far as what the injury is looking like and, you know, kind of taking it from there. Um, but, you know, certainly since it's, um, you know, with these other injuries that we're talking about and the fact that they play on Thursday, um, you know, if you're going to want to rule Michael Carter out there or Ty Johnson or, you know, anybody else in the Jets or the Jaguars, you kind of have to have these guys lined up and ready to go in short order james robinson revenge game <laughs> yeah i mean i the thing with him is he's been hel- you know he's been a healthy scratch so i mean do they just get him for insurance and yes. you know they were happy with their in-house pieces and you know do they even activate him i don't know because come I, i'd sure. imagine he is i think i think they're not going to go with just two running backs actives because the one thing is michael carter coming back from injury still hasn't looked as good as he did before mm-hmm. so the part of, but to that point even though he hasn't been hundred percent as soon as he was able to, they made him active over James Robinson. So a kind of shows where their priorities lie. Yeah. I think you named the name doc. I wonder if Ty Johnson might actually be, cause he's the healthy one right now. When Michael Carter first went down in that game, initially he was getting more touches and then yeah. Zonovan Knight kind of split it later. And then the next week they kind of went more to Knight fully. But I do wonder if that initial plan, when Michael Carter went down, that next man up was supposed to be Ty Johnson for them all year, kind of, it, what they viewed as their third running back most of the season. I wonder if that's the guy they go back to and, and because he's, he seems like he's the healthiest one out of the bunch right now. So I'm going to see in that league, if he's actually available and play him instead of Michael Carter. I mean, it's, it's definitely at this point, like a lot of these speculative pickups, it's good to either, you know, grab these guys just in case like injuries pop up in the middle of the week or, you know, somebody gets sick or, you know, something else happens, but also to keep them off your opponent's roster because they're dealing with injuries too. And it really can be a fine line between having to play somebody, you know, who can get you something and having to play somebody who could potentially get you, you know, virtually nothing. And sometimes that's what you need to, you know, help put you over. So, you know, that's also, you know, if you have a kind of a dead spot on your roster, you have somebody where you're like, okay, this guy's definitely not going to play. I've seen the ceiling. Then, it's good to make these investments in these guys as speculative plays. And if it doesn't work out, that's fine, especially if you have other options. But keeping them away from your opponents uh, can be even more beneficial than what they might actually do for your team. I lost a fantasy championship last year. I could have picked up Justin Jackson for free. Didn't because, okay, I'm not going to play him. 
and my opponent picked them up, used them against me, and then I, I scored like 200 points. They scored like 230. Mm-hmm. So it was, and it was a, it was that week 16, yeah, massive Justin Jackson, like 30 something points or whatever. Yeah. When was, uh, when OS and Eckler had COVID, if I if they were on my bench, they my I wouldn't have lost. But Justin Jackson wasn't. He was on. He was in my opponent's lineup against me. So, but you have to. Yeah, just as a side note, you have to love Austin Eckler because he really does embrace like the whole fantasy football community. Like there are so many players out there and I get it. Like nobody wants to be playing hurt or, you know, they're getting, you know, eviscerated by the press and, and play people are. Well, yeah, I think there's a lot of fantasy football managers that maybe don't act properly and DM them or message and tag them. I can understand why they get frustrated for that reason, Uh, which I get it. Like, you know, and they, and they lash out. Like I totally understand that. But I remember specifically Austin Eckler last year was sick and he went on a podcast and he was like, he's coughing and he's like sweating and he's like, go pick up Justin Jackson. I don't think I'm going to make it. And sure enough, like he was out and Justin Jackson. Yeah. So you you two are both warriors, just like Austin Eckler going through. You know, well, I don't know. I put Austin Eckler in a different category, but that is yeah. great company. That's yeah. great company to be in. Podcast warrior, baby. <laughs> We do have a question about Brees Hall. Though, talk about the Jets running backs. Uh, so, do you think Brees Hall would have been Rookie of the Year? And I, I guess I would actually ask that: Who do you think is Rookie of the Year right now? Honestly, Offensive Rookie of the Year, anyway. Oh, geez, I don't know. I'll leave that to you guys. I think Brees Hall would have been the Rookie of the Year. He just looks so good. Like that, he was rolling. Like he was crushing. Um, so, really, kind of sad that he, he had that injury. <laughs> The Jets had four top 40 picks. They they might actually have both offensive and defensive rookie of the year because it might go to Garrett might, Wilson. Might be Garrett Wilson, yeah. Um, I thought Kenneth Walker might have also had a shot at it, but yeah, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olavery, Kenneth Walker. I think any of those three might win it. But yeah, I think you're right, Doc. I think if Hall had been healthy all year, considering the way he was producing, it probably would have been him. Gladys, do you agree? Uh yes. I I, I don't know. I mean if Brees Hall would have been Rookie of the Year, that would have eliminated Garrett Wilson from the con- – from, and I think Garrett Wilson is going to win Rookie of the Year or should win Rookie of the Year if Mike White gets back under center. So, I don't know. Well, I mean, Funny I don't you know. should mention that. <laughs> I guess we could continue to talk about Mike White. But this uh, Tom has a second part of this question, though. Where do you think Brees Hall goes in drafts next year? You're going to assume in, redrafts? In redrafts or yeah. dynasty? Uh, I'd imagine redraft. I guess we could do both if you if you wanted to. Because uh, I, I think we well because we covered this a couple weeks ago. He's still a top five running back in dynasty, right? So he's yeah, like in, in a dynasty so. draft, like even in a super flex league, I'd find it hard to think he falls out of the second round. Redraft managers have a very short memory. Like I don't think he goes in the first hmm. two rounds because. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. They do. I, I, mean, I was I was thinking about that too. Think? But I was thinking, like, yeah, like early to mid second round. But mm-hmm. you might you might be right. But then again, like if they if you did it now, then maybe. But then as as like the kind of summer the, goes you know, and yeah, like and he starts working out and stuff like that, I think he's gonna end up like kind of like you know early to mid second type deal. My yeah. first instinct when we said redraft was third round. I felt like he was third fourth round last year. People saw him succeed enough, so I'd imagine he does go. A, at least or probably around where he did last year, maybe a little bit higher because people have seen the, what was it like 198 yard scrimmage game? Like, you know, not, you know, he went hot that high earlier just based on the profile, the draft capital, the athleticism, but now we've seen the production on the field. I'd imagine he 
yeah, third round is probably the latest. <coughs> yeah, Doc, Doc, I think you might be right. Late second, yeah, mid early to late third. Second, so yeah. actually, it might be a similar place in both redraft and dynasty leagues. Yeah. Hey, Kyle, did you see Blurpy's question? Blurpy? Is that like pronouncing that right? I can't see. Blurpy? Uh, no. It's oh, right I under, see it. It's I right see under it. Tom's. This one? Nope. Uh, I have Hertz looking for a quarterback. Who should I pick up off of later? Oh, right. right. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. I just wanted to read Jamie's comment because I did kind of touch on this. So, Brees, he's, he, he's, Jamie sounds like he's just completely off Brees. I'm not drafting him at all next year. Look how long it took Barkley to get to 100% and Dobbins this year. So, you don't like drafting the player the year after the ACL tear. So, I'd imagine Javante Williams is kind of viewed in that same light by Jamie. So. I think that's valid in the sense that it's high acquisition costs. Like you think about the opportunity cost of who else you could potentially take in the mid to late second round or the early third round. I mean, that's still pretty high. Um, you know, JK Dobbins, I, I don't hate because it was, you know, what the fifth, sixth round, something like that. It's all about, you know, it's like, we don't, well, somebody said this, I forget who it was. I want to give him credit for it. It's like, we don't dislike players. We dislike uh draft count. You know, we, we, we dislike ADP. And and that's a thing. Like Brees, Brees Hall in the fifth or sixth round, I feel about it. You know, then the risk risk reward is you know skews in the other direction. But in the second round, I agree. I, I think it's it's really skewed towards like he he needs to come back. He needs to get a high workload. He needs to be Brees Hall like he was this year. Otherwise, he's not going to pay off for what you spend spend to acquire him. And if you're playing just in redraft, then that's it's not going to work out most likely. Um, if you're playing I, I dynasty, think, you might have a different view, but that's that's kind of you know one way to approach it. When you say late second, I'm thinking, okay, what does that team in the first do in the first place? I could see a lot of teams going Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Travis Kelsey with that those first picks. If you're if you're not taking a running back and you want to go running back in the second, are you taking a running back coming off the ACL tear? That's probably where it gets really tough. Yeah. I could potentially see a team going McCaffrey. I'll double back with Hall. I want that upside. I could maybe see that working better, but I think especially drafting Hall as your RB1 would be really tough. Yes, indeed. Uh, so, yeah, so back to – okay, so we uh, – Blurpy, we did kind of talk about this. It's funny. We named some names from there uh, too, although one name's omitted, so that's interesting. Um, but, uh, yeah, they have hurts, so they want to know what to do, uh, who they should pick up off waivers. So Aaron Rodgers, Jared Goff, Brock Purdy – Mike White slash Zach Wilson against the Jaguars or Minshew himself. Before we get to answering this question, Doc, I think you wanted to reference Mike White. And so maybe we could incorporate that into this question. So what do we know about Mike White and the status? And who are we expecting to start for the Jets this week? And Gladys, you can answer in that, in that as well. Yeah. So with Mike White, we talked about this last week where it was like he was still being evaluated and the doctors turned out they wouldn't clear him. And then it comes out later, like we talked about might happen. Uh, it turns out he has multiple rib fractures. So he has multiple broken ribs, um, which is new as far as what we knew this time last week. So he missed week 15. He's expected to miss week 16. And honestly, this could be it for him this year, um, especially if Zach Wilson continues to play well, even though um, the Jets, they lost they lost to Detroit this week, right? Yep. Yeah, so it's Close. not great. It was a three-point team... loss, but... Yeah, it's, it's not great that they lost, but he looked a lot better, at least statistically. He's still missed some easy throws and things like that. But we, I like we talked about last week and we were kind of putting it out there that they might not go back to Zach Wilson because of, you know, that it could cause disruption and things like that. But because he's such a high draft capital 
player, he's going to continue to get chances. And if the Jets are, you know, in games and they're winning games, um, you know, Mike White with multiple broken ribs, um, it's going to be tough to run him out there. So, you know, it really is a big question mark. You know, the, the issue is, is the Jets want to win. And with Mike White having broken ribs, he can play through that. It's really more about the issue of the concern for the player. Because the problem with having broken ribs, especially if they're separated, is it's like having a bunch of sharp sticks on the inside of your body. And the reason your ribs are there is to protect your internal organs. So if you take contact of the ribs and you push the ribs in, then you can um, you can injure the internal organs. So you can actually cut, slice your liver, your spleen, your kidneys. All sorts of really you know bad stuff can happen after that. Internal bleeding, you know, damage to the organs, things like that. Nothing good. Um, so your ribs need to be intact and there's not really a whole lot you can do other than put a flak jacket on and tape them up, but you're basically taping them up and sending somebody out to go and get into a bunch of, of car crashes. So that can, you know, that can really cause a lot of, a lot of issues. So it's not really an issue of, can he play through it? I know he can, um, but the doctors won't clear him because of the risk of him having a severe injury if he takes contact and if his internal organs are injured. So I really don't know how they're going to play this. Um, so that's kind of where we're at, but I do expect them to miss. I do expect Mike White to miss Week 16. So if that enters into your decision-making process at all, whether whatever you think about Zach Wilson, that's what I think should come into play at least for this week. Um, and then the other quarterbacks you mentioned, Aaron Rodgers and Jared Goff, they seem like good options to me. Um, and those other ones aren't terrible either. Gladys, what what do you think about the Jets QB situation? Um, I wouldn't play Zach Wilson. I don't. It's tough. It, yeah. Uh, he, he, there were some really bad throws, like that inexplicably bad throws. Plus, I don't know that the team is behind him. So, I mean, they want to win and they're professional athletes, but they want Mike White. I, I hope they don't play Mike White if he's as hurt as Doc says, but um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on Zach Wilson to win me any um, fantasy football. I like, I know that Goff's. I, I know the narrative on Goff is that he sucks on the road, and he does. But he had a decent game this last week. Like he, he didn't throw an interception. He was only sacked once. I think he only threw for like he threw for less than two hundred yards, but he was serviceable, and he's got a better supporting cast than these other players, as far as you know, wide receivers. And I think. Sorry, I'll let you finish, Gladys. I was just going to say that um, with the exception of CMC for Purdy, because uh, isn't who's isn't there someone out on, on that? Debo. Yeah, Samuel's out. Debo Samuel's out on them. And I just – Dallas's front line is just really stout, and they've been focusing – there's an argument that they messed up that Jacksonville game because they've been focusing on the Philly game. I – I like Minshew, but I just don't think he's going to survive that offense, that defensive line. I like Goff. I would. They have to win. They're still in the playoff hunt. He's got Amon Ra. He's got DJ Chark. He's got Swift. He's got both Williams. I, I think his. I think his supporting cast is best. Is better. So the one thing that again complicates this, uh, references earlier, uh, Blurpy, is the timing of this. The Eagles play later on Saturday, and most of the games are Saturday this week. Uh, yeah. The three games Sunday and then the one Monday night game. 
And I think the, the four o'clock window Saturday afternoon, I think there's only two games happening then. So I mentioned earlier, there's only seven games that play either when the Eagles kick off or later. So if Hertz is truly questionable game time decision, what you probably want to do is have someone that's playing then or later so that you can, if, you know, if Hertz plays, you can play them in. Cause the, it's like, yeah, I think, really good point. I think I still would go with my guy anyway, but I, I think my second choice, regardless of timing would be golf. And I agree with Gladys on that, but the, the only complication is if Hertz is truly a game time decision, you're not going to know if he's playing or not by the time you have to hit submit on golf, like in terms well, of in your lineup. If they're Saturday might, games, you would know um, you, his, what is it? What is the doc? Not necessarily. It's Wednesday, I mean, if, Thursday, Friday are the, the practice games. But, but I'm saying, but if Hertz is questionable, like if he, if he's questionable all week and he's questionable on that Friday injury report, and we don't know, like it really is game time decision Saturday, 4 p.m. Or I guess it'd be about an hour before 3 p.m. We find out. You're not, I don't see I, any way they're pulling him out there. I don't see any way. If, if it's that, as hard as I said, I don't see I, any way they're playing him. I tend to agree. And maybe by that point, they might already rule him out anyway. So you could take that risk on golf for there. But I think my answer would be Purdy. And I think, and uh, I think Blurpy mentions it that Rogers plays Sunday. So if you're going with the logic of I, what I was just saying with the timing, you really only have three options. It's either Purdy, Minshew, or Aaron Rodgers because he plays the next day. I think I like Purdy the best. Uh, even without Debo, I love that supporting cast. It's a good offensive line, just like what Minshew has. And I mean, they're playing Washington. It's a stout defense, but I think we'd all agree Dallas's defense is a tougher matchup. So I, and I think Purdy, Purdy's got the mobility, the rushing yard ability, but also the rushing touchdown ability. So I actually would make Purdy my number one choice here, regardless of anything else. And I think I don't think that's I don't think that's invalid. The other thing we got to consider is Rodgers is playing tonight, so he's got to get through that game healthy. And true, you know, I don't know. Of course, you, you would you'll know that by the time you have to kind yeah, of you'll know that by the time you got to make the decision. But so like, we could be all about Rodgers, and Rodgers, you know, gets hurt this game or is questionable, then that throws a monkey wrench on the whole thing. So let's let's prioritize three each. I think I would go Purdy one. See, I think I would go with the upside of Hertz could still play, and I would just I would take Goff out because of the timing and just go Purdy one, Rogers two, Minshew three. I think that's how I would order it. But I get Gladys's argument of if you want to take the timing out and just commit to your decision Sunday morning, I'd probably still go Purdy one, Goff two, Rogers three. So that's how I feel. I think Purdy's the answer, but how do you guys feel? Who would be your top three just to get a temperature? I think Purdy and Rodgers is close. Um, so I could see either one. And then I think there's a tear break, you know, there, whether it's, you know, Goff would probably be the next one timing, you know, if we don't know, then that's the issue. And then after that, it would be Minshew. And, and that's basically the way I see it. Or Gladys has Goff one. Who would be your number two Gladys just for fun's sake? Minshew. Okay. Again, that Eagles, that Eagles supporting cast is nice being able to throw to AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, to be fair. Um, okay, another question here. Uh, need 22 from Watson tonight. PPR long shot. Nothing, nothing that man does surprises me at this point. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't say it's a long shot. I'd say it's you definitely got you got it, you got more than a puncher's chance, that's for sure. I'd say I don't think it happens without touchdowns, but the way he's been scoring touchdowns, I think it's safe to say he probably will at least score one. So yeah, no, I don't, I don't think it's impossible. I've got Alan Lazard needing, I think it's 26. That feels much less attainable. So I concur. Or I think, no, it might only be 16. 
But yet, for some reason, the 22 from Watson feels like that's more attainable for reference sake there, Jacob. Um, uh, sorry, I thought I saw comments. Uh, or I guess Gators agreeing with Gladys. This is from an earlier conversation about the redraft players and the, and the short memory. Uh, Gate, oh, yeah, I, I thought Gator loves the messy jersey, Doc. We've given you a hard time for it, but uh, but yeah, uh, Doc, do you want to continue with some injuries here? I guess we could talk the Tylers, Tyler Lockett, Tyler Boyd, both with finger injuries. So Boyd returned last week from a one week absence. Tyler Lockett just suffered that finger injury. So are there parallels between the two? Anything we could use to compare them? And is, could we maybe expect Lockett doesn't miss any time, kind of like Tyler Boyd did? Uh, well, let's let's start with Tyler Boyd because I think that's a shorter dis- discussion. So he dislocated his finger in week 14 and actually ended up coming back and playing in week 15 and and played pretty well. Um, just a reminder with him that this is an extremely painful injury, so his snaps may be managed for the next few weeks, but really got to take your hat off to him. Like, what a gamer. Like, going out there six or seven days after dislocating a finger and having it, you know, basically pop back into place and then going out and playing as a wide receiver, not even as a running back. That that Not that that wouldn't be painful, but – um, the stress on the hands and the fingers from, from catching the ball, um, especially for, from anybody, but from an NFL quarterback, um, really tremendous. So I think, you know, Tyler Boyd, like he, he is who he is at this point. Like he's going to be a, uh, you know, wide receiver three type guy with upside for more on a really good Bengals offense. Um, but he's going to be out there. So that's, that's something. With Tyler Lockett, it gets a little bit more complicated. So what happened with him on the Thursday game was, I think it was Thursday, um, he has a break in his, what the the bone is called the first metacarpal. And that's basically the long bone that connects your wrist to your finger. So it's one of the bones that makes up what would essentially be the bony part of the back of your hand, if you think about where it is anatomically. So he's going to get surgery on that. Some estimates have been put out there early this week saying that, they expect him to potentially be back week 17. I think that's really optimistic. I think he could be available if the Seahawks made the NFL playoffs, but I think you got a plan to be without him for the rest of the fantasy playoffs. And if he does make it back somehow, some way in week 17, then that's gravy. Um, but I don't think you can count on that in any way, shape, or form at this point. Um, Marquise Goodwin would slot into the number two spot along DK Metcalf as we versus Kansas City. So that's, you know, some potential for upside there. But I think this is it for Tyler Lockett for the fantasy playoffs, unfortunately. I almost wonder, Seahawks-wise, does this mean more targets for the tight end? Do Noah Fanton, Will Disley become more playable, and are they maybe the bigger winners as opposed to to Marquise Goodwin? I suppose Goodwin will have to just be on the field. They have to play two wide receivers a lot of the time. I don't think they're going to go to like the, the old one-wing back set yeah. and <laughs> just DK Metcalf, you're, you're playing 99% of the snaps, and Goodwin, you're playing... 20 no i don't i don't think that's gonna happen so he'll be out there and i mean players we, we like them that run routes and play snaps that's that's what we chase and that's what eventually lead to targets so yeah just a tricky situation for locket managers i know i i do have locket on one i did have him on two teams uh, i did trade one share away to gladys and one team left did make the playoffs got the win last week in spite of the locket injury but uh yeah gonna have to look elsewhere uh, i guess technically deandre hopkins is the wide receiver one on the team so at least that's uh, don't have to replace him there, but yeah, it's uh, that again, might we talked about it uh, earlier with uh, who we're we talking about uh, with uh, yeah, Jonathan Taylor being injured rather than just go with a you know, member of the Colts backfield. There may be some other opportunities. We talked specifically about the Jets to just take advantage of better offenses, better offensive lines, as opposed to just having to, to replace the player on your own team. If you lose Lockie, you don't necessarily have to pick up Marquise Goodwin. There may be some other wide receivers 
uh, higher upside that could be available rather. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is what it's all about. You know, the fantasy playoffs, like it's all about managing, um, you know, these injuries that come up and, you know, this is part of like, you know, it's like they talk about like the poker analogy. It's like people that play poker, the players that are really good, like they focus on the 30% of the skill and what can they improve on. And the players that turn out to be not so good, they bemoan the fact that they have bad luck, which is about 70% of the equation. I think fantasy football is very similar. And I think this is one of the things where it's like managing injuries late in the season and getting guys in there that at least can be productive into your starting lineup is a skill. And everybody's going to have injuries, most likely. Some are going to have more than others, but focusing on, oh, I got unlucky and, you know, this team didn't do well because these guys got hurt. Like that's one way to approach it. But I think another better way to approach it is what can I do about it and how can I manage these things? Because most likely everybody else that's in the playoffs is dealing with them too. So what can you do to differentiate yourself from that? And, and, you know, kind of taking these things into account that can be what puts you over and, you know, gets you to the next round or gets you that title. Is it Cam Akers season yet? Asks Gostart. We're still Um, waiting. (laughs) <laughs> Packers Swiss cheese defense might allow him to, to be good. I mean, he did have that one game where he had two touchdowns, but I think the, the yardage was low. So a little lucky in that sense, but yeah, uh, hasn't been great for Cam Akers since the, the, the Achilles uh, rupture last All right, So we're, we're getting close to the witching hour. You want me to rapid fire it and then we'll Let's get into the, the Monday night game. Okay. My favorite movie of the week. Here we go. So Ryan Tannehill, ankle injury, severity unclear. Uh, They're in a dogfight this division, so Tannehill and the team are incentivized to push it. Just watch practice reports and be on the lookout for updates. Malik Wills would get the start if Ryan Tannehill can't go. Colt McCoy, concussion. We know the story at this point, especially in the post-Tua NFL. It's unlikely he plays in Week 16, most likely leaving Trace McSorley and or David Blau to pick up the slack for whatever that's worth. Russell Wilson still in the concussion protocol. So we have to see, although there is optimism that he is able to play this week, but no guarantees. Brent Rippon was efficient, if not spectacular in his absence, 21 for 26 with a touchdown and an interception. Lamar Jackson with his PCL sprain missed weeks 14 and 15 return. Week 16 is still a conservative estimate. He could be out longer, but Huntley has been bad and they're one and one without Lamar, including an ugly loss against the Browns this past week. But then being 9-5 gives them some breathing room, so still remains to be seen. Is he going to be out there? Uh, Kenny Pickett in the concussion protocol still, so we have to see. Optimism surrounding his return, but again, no guarantees. He's week-to-week at this point still. Mitch Trubisky, um, 17 for 22, 179 yards and a rushing TD, and he did get uh, the W, and Deontay Johnson showed signs of life with 10 catches uh, with Trubisky under center. Uh, Running back-wise, Austin Eckler. So he left early, returned, and ended up uh, getting the ball uh, 12 carries for 58 yards and two catches on three targets for 12 yards. They did some early tests on his shoulder, which came back, quote-unquote, negative. Um, It doesn't appear to be too concerning, and he may be limited in practice this week, but we've seen these things snowball in the past. So you have to have Joshua Kelly on your roster if you have Eckler and maybe even if you don't. Um, Caleb Huntley, sad news there, but a uh, quick discussion about that. Achilles injury, uh, so the Atlanta running back on IR, his 2022 is done. Uh, Damian Pierce, high ankle sprain, also on IR, his 2022 is done. He ended up with over 1,000 yards from scrimmage and five total TDs, so this does set up an interesting offseason for the fourth-round pick going into 2023. Dontrell Hilliard on IR, out for the regular season, maybe beyond. 
Um, Hassan Haskins did play ahead of Chestnut uh, this past week, but neither one played much, although much like with JT and Deion Jackson and Zach Moss, that could change a lot if King Henry were to go down. Mike Boone, keeping with the theme, on IR, season over. More work for Latavius Murray and Marlon Mack, who both actually look decent at times. Justin Wilson, um, hip injury, missed week 15. Injury severity still unclear, although there seems to be some growing optimism out of Miami about his week 16 availability. But we have to see him practice at least before we can have any hope of him playing. Raheem Mostert in relief, 17 carries for 136 yards, one catch for 20 yards. So definitely more than serviceable there. And and Doc, if I can just interrupt quickly with the yeah. Dolphins, it one of the things that was unclear is who is going to be the backup to Mostert to kind of have as the handcuff there. It seemed like Salvin Ahmed was the, the number two guy, not Miles Gaskin. Yeah. So just to kind of keep that in mind. But uh, continue, Doc. Okay. Uh, so Kenneth Walker, uh, we were optimistic that he would get back there for week 15, and he did play decent in a tough matchup with the 49ers. So there's a chance for a lot more. Uh, versus Kansas City this week. DJ Dallas dealing with a high ankle sprain, probably out until the real-life NFL playoffs. Travis Homer is interesting. So he caught four passes in Week 15, so he could be in a case of emergency break glass option in case things go off the rails in Kansas City and you're truly desperate for a running back who can at least get you something, um, you know, high single digits, maybe even double digits if he's able to fall into the end zone. So that's not nothing. DeAndre Swift. Uh, we've been riding the roller coaster for months now. Uh, he had 18 touches in week 13, nine touches in week 14, 13 touches this past week, eight carries, five catches, uh, about 80 total yards. So the risk of re-injury still looms with him, but I feel like a shutdown is less likely as the Lions have gone on quite an impressive run. Uh, but the limited touches cap his weekly upside, although at this point in the year, it might not matter. If you do roll with him, he does seem to have a floor of something like we saw in the 8 to 12 PPR point range. And then there's upside like we saw with him in week 13 where he went 21 PPR points per game. So hopefully that allows you to kind of gauge what you can expect if you decide to run him out there. <clears throat> Excuse me. So uh, Chase Edmonds in Denver dealing with a high ankle sprain. So he's eligible to come off of IR this week, but I'm not really optimistic that actually happens. Just keep it in mind. It could muddy the waters out there in Denver as far as the running backs are concerned. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for Kansas City, same deal. High ankle sprain, eligible to come off IR this week. He hadn't done much for the weeks prior to getting hurt. And Pacheco and McKinnon have been holding it down more than fine, but a return, again, could potentially muddy the waters for Casey down the stretch. Khalil Herbert of Chicago, expected back at practice this week, so he should slot right back into the number two role in Chicago. Could take some work from David Montgomery and would be a high-value handcuff if Montgomery were to get hurt. Speaking of other high-value handcuffs, if you have a free spot, some other guys to consider. We've been talking about him for weeks. You just never know when the clock's going to strike midnight on some of these guys. Alexander Madison, Minnesota, as Dalvin Cook's backup. Joshua Kelly, we mentioned. Jalen Warren as the backup for Najee Harris. And then some other guys, Justin Jackson in Detroit, Keontae Ingram in Arizona, Eno Benjamin in New Orleans, and Jermichael Hasty in Jacksonville. Um, moving on uh, to what I don't know about the New Orleans one because he wasn't, you know, Benjamin a healthy scratch this week. Yeah, but he it was because he joined. I think it was because he just joined the team. Okay, and, you know, he's not we quite expect, active yet. Think but David Johnson was the backup. But okay, we're maybe expecting somebody to keep know, on the radar. You know, another former Cardinal. Up, funny enough, you know, it's like if you have an open spot in your roster and you, you know, you don't have any, Sorry, any better options. It's not the worst thing in the world. You never know what happens. Um, so on to wide receivers. Denzel Mims, concussion. We know the deal. Um, Thursday game, so very little time to get clear. It's unlikely he plays in week 16, and then he's week to week after that. 
Equinemia, St. Brown, concussion, same thing for Chicago. Debo Samuel, we talked about with his high ankle sprain and MCL injury. Almost assuredly, he's out for the rest of the fantasy season. I know there's some talk about him potentially coming back for week 16. I think it's possible, but unlikely. T. Higgins with his hamstring, he played. How about that? And played well. So collective sigh of relief from the Bengals fans and fantasy team managers everywhere. So I think he's safe to as safe as he could be to get back into lineups. Uh, Corey Davis was dealing with a, a concussion. He's in the protocol. There is optimism. He will be back for week 16. Amari Cooper in Cleveland with his hip injury still appears to be limited by it. He has played better at home for the most part this year, and he is home versus New Orleans next week for whatever it's worth. I think he's going to be a shaky start in week 16 and going forward, but I realize you might not have a better option at this point. Traylon Burks, concussion, missed weeks 14 and 15. Let's see if he can clear the protocol this week. Just watch practice reports on that. Cortland Sutton sighting, missed weeks 14 and 15. Uh, still a question of how severe this injury is. There are some rumblings he could make it back for week 16. Again, I think it's possible, but I really have to question why the Broncos would force the issue there. But stranger things have happened, so be on the lookout for updates there. Kadarius Tony for Kansas City, missed weeks 12 through 14. Returned in week 15, but had a really minor role. I don't know what you do with him. Uh, Kansas City's offense and his potential versus his injuries and lack of production. I don't know if you can trust them at this point going forward, but you know there is something there at least um, theoretically. Tight end Daniel Bellinger knocked out of the week 14 game, played week 15, but only one catch for four yards. So he's an option, but not a great one. But tight ends a barren wasteland. So if you're really stuck, might want to give him a look. Hayden Hurst in Cincinnati missed weeks 14 and 15 without practicing at all. So let's see if he's able to practice in any capacity leading up to week 16 before we even think about getting him back out there. And then last but certainly not least, Dallas Goddard. Now, granted, there's some mitigating factors with the Jalen Hurts injury, but he missed the last basically month and a half, but he did practice this week. So there's a real chance he's back out there for week 16 versus Dallas. So do your due diligence and take a look to see if he's on waivers in your league. And depending on how you look at tight end, he could be worth a pickup as well. And see. Dallas again, Goddard against Dallas. That'd be great if he goes. Uh, yeah, going for two. Uh, Discord, just want to plug that real quick. I also mention our sponsor, Underdog. And that's what we're going to be talking about uh, this Monday night game. Uh, the uh, higher, lower on, on the uh, game over under, <laughs> or the game the game total, game prediction. We'll talk props. And all that comes from Underdog. And if you want to sign up for Underdog, use the promo code GF2, capital G, capital F, the digit two. And you will get a deposit match up to $100, whatever you uh, enter in on your first deposit when joining and when using the promo code GF2, Underdog will give you uh, that money. So if you, again, up to $100, if you put in $100, they'll give you another $100. you will have $200 to play with and bet on things like tonight's game. The Rams at the Packers. Go Pack Go. Uh, Rams, uh, Packers, like I mentioned, uh, 39 and a half is the higher lower projection from uh, Underdog, and they have the Packers as six and a half point favorites. Gladys hinted it earlier. She thinks the Packers are going to win, but enough to cover the six and a half point spread. Gladys, what do you think? Yeah, the spread's gone up to eight points now. So I have the Packers higher. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I, uh, Packers fan. Uh, oh, it's apparently 15 degrees in Lambeau. Um, but I, I, I don't know what that means. I'm Canadian, so yeah 15 degrees that's above zero right that's good actually warm that's actually warm for this time of year i think they mean fahrenheit not centigrade uh kyle yeah i agreed um anyway so uh, oops got rid of the caption right anyway so yeah so gladys is picking the packers again a packers fan i'm also going to take them uh my reasoning here is 
last year, the eventual Super Bowl champion Rams lost to the Packers. And I think it was like a two-score game going into the fourth quarter, early in the fourth quarter. I think the Rams had kind of a garbage time touchdown to make it a one-score game. But while the Packers are a worse team than they were last year, the Rams are a significantly worse team than then. So if the Packers were able to do it last year to the team that won the Super Bowl, I think they will it'll be a double digit margin of victory. And if, if this was eight and a half, like Gladys was saying, we were picking on, I'd still pick the Packers. So six and a half, I think that's a, a key pick for me there because the way I see it, the Rams are missing their four best players from last year, Aaron Donald, Cooper cup, Andrew Whitworth to retirement. And if you want to include Matthew Stafford in there, you can, uh, which I think I would, but like not having those players, I think is going to be key. So Packers, uh, I think cover this uh, six and a half point spread doc though, saying it's too high and you're picking the Rams. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I just call it a gut feeling. Um, you know, the thing is, is that this could, you know, definitely go the other way. Um, but the way that I see it is the Rams actually have something to play for in the sense that like, they're kind of trying out a new quarterback and, um, they want to see what they got. So they have some motivation to actually care about the game. And I'm, there's a non-zero chance that the Packers don't, I mean, obviously it's like, you always want to play for pride and things like that. Um, and they're at home. I think they're but still I, mathematically alive in the playoffs. So mathematically not eliminated from becoming an astronaut, but let's just say I'm not, I think I'm not buying a space suit anytime soon. The Seahawks loss, I think opens everything up for a bunch of teams. So mm. I'd imagine the Packers are still in, we can make the playoffs mode. So I'd, I'd argue I would, I would imagine that could be the case, but, but to say that yeah. the season hasn't gone the way that they had kind of hoped would be putting it mildly and we're all human beings. So it's like, you know, the holidays are coming and it wouldn't Matt LaFleur teams off a bye haven't done well. That's the one it, thing. It wouldn't you be, might be beyond beyond the reasonable expectation to say that, hey, you know what? Like maybe this wouldn't be the game where you would expect them to give their absolute 100 percent. Um, but that notwithstanding, I could also see the Packers winning a close game, you know, win by four, win by five. Mm-hmm. So the way I look at it is if you take the Rams, then there's two ways to win the game. And, um, you know, there's always. A- there's always there's always hope, I think, or maybe not. Maybe there is no hope. Sorry, so. Oh, wow. You kind of cut out for a second. Lost me again? Yeah, you're good. Okay. Um, yeah, so anything's possible. But uh, I think I, you get two ways to win the game if you if you go with the Rams. And um, if the Packers blow them out of the box, then you know stranger things have happened so even two that, field that, goals is enough right six and a half that's yeah. a that's a fairly big margin. especially if the line's moving and it's you know continuing to go in the other direction i actually thought it was seven but i'll, I'll take it at six and a half uh yeah i think i'd mentioned i saw it up to seven but i did i again didn't have access to underdogs so i didn't know for sure if we had confirmed that the underdog raise oh, wait, i can, actually, raise it even I can actually confirm it right now uh, but well, anyway, what you guys uh, are talking about higher or lower, I can confirm it. Well, I think the 39 and a half though has kind of remained consistent. And mm. to, to me, because of how bad both of these defenses are, that was shocking to me. I, I think one of the easiest calls I made was going higher. I might be the only one though. Cause I know Dan picked the Packers like us Gladys, but he went lower and doc picking the Rams and the underdog. He also picked the lower. Uh, I didn't get yours. What, what uh, are you going higher or lower on the 39 and a half? I picked the Packers and higher. Higher. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so we're both going higher, um, sub 40 again with defenses that are, well, I guess in the Rams case, missing their, their best player in, in Donald and in the Packers case, just have looked atrocious of late. Uh, I think, yeah, I think they'll go higher. I don't, I don't think either of these defenses are good enough to, to hold for both teams to be held under 20. So, 
Uh, and then all, it's funny, all our props have to do with the Rams. Um, passing props, or your passing game props. We've got two props involving the quarterback and then two receiving props. So what are we starting with here? I'll go with mine because it's quick. Um, I just seems like Baker Mayfield had eyes for uh, Ben Skoranek. So, um, you know, as you mentioned, a lot of the other weapons on the Rams are either unavailable or haven't really, you know, lived up to their preseason expectations. So um, maybe there's a little rapport that's developing there. And um, I just kind of kind of play off of that. So I, I took the Hoya on uh, 31.5 yards for Skoranek. Somebody's got to catch the ball out there. It's funny. And if you think he's the number one guy, he's the third highest in terms of the receiving prop lines. Uh, Tutu Atwell, 35 and a half and Van Jefferson, 33 and a half. They're all really, really close so, and not in a good. I know league. it's not that significant, but if you expect Sir to be the number one guy, that would be the one thing that would stand out to me is he should be the highest in theory. So uh, I like that call. I'm going lower, uh, or at least in terms of lower down in terms of those prop lines. I'm taking the higher on this player, Austin Trammell. He's a rookie this year. And when I first saw the line, I had to double check to make sure I wasn't reading it wrong. Half a receiving yard. So all he needs to do is get one yard. And I'm taking the higher. Uh, the bad news, he has two catches in his career. <laughs> and it's like, all you need is one catch, but he's only done it twice. Good news, he's done it each of the last two weeks, including once with Baker. So considering, you know, this post-Cooper Cup Rams offense, it kind of anything goes. The one guy I was worried about, because it seems like he's very clearly the wide receiver four five really in snaps behind Jefferson's Skoranek, Tutu Atwell, and even Brandon Powell. But my worry was Lance McCushion. Would he be the number fifth guy? He's inactive tonight. So that was kind of the one thing I needed to confirm. But yeah, I'm going with Austin Trammell higher than half a receiving yard. And then Gladys and Dan both went with Baker Mayfield. Um, I have Baker Mayfield higher than 30.5 passing attempts. And I guess Dan went, well, lower. He went the opposite. And, you know, maybe he could still get that many attempts and be this inefficient, but he went lower than 189 and a half passing yards. So we're hitting the higher on Trammell, Skoronek on the receiving yards, Mayfield on his pass attempts, but Dan's going lower on Mayfield's yards. And one last comment here from Gostart. I'm up 96.7 to 76.12 with Green Bay defense. Opponent has Aaron Jones, and Tyler Higby doesn't matter though. I'm still, I'm in second. It would still be in, uh, would still be playing the same team. Okay. So at least it's, it's low pressure. Aaron Jones getting 20 points. Cause like, I like Higby didn't have a zero last week. So yeah, you might lose, but I, I could see that being the case where you don't lose and you carry that and Jones and Higby do disappoint. So Hopefully we didn't disappoint here on the, the two-point conversion every Monday night here on the Going for Two Live Network. And uh, I think Gladys and Doc will take over as a, a, a two-player uh, say a two player show. Uh, fantasy football players, of course. Uh, but yeah, I guess you two will hold the fort down and host us next Monday, which will be December 26th. I yep. believe, who's playing? I think, is it the Colts and Jets, I think? Oh, yay. I don't know. I'll have to double check that. but uh, Or no, uh, Chargers and Jets, I think. I can't remember, but uh, yeah, good luck next week, guys. <laughs> Anyone want to, you know, give any last messages before we head out of here? Chargers and Colts next week. Oh, okay, Chargers Colts next week. Yeah, it'd be oh, lots of fun. Oh, but yeah, we talked. The Jets are on Thursday night here. I knew they were in a prime time. I just mixed them up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Have fun, Dan, wherever you are. And Cam Akers just ran for like twelve. Is that Cam Akers? Yep. Just ran for like fifteen yards. Well, maybe Cam. Maybe Cam. Wait, I don't think. Oh, it is Ken Akers. 
maybe Cam Akers season is upon us after all. Gladys, want to shout out you for being an amazing trooper and, and battling through illness to be here tonight. Oh my, uh, I don't have bronchitis, Doc. You have bronchitis. Yeah, both of you are amazing. <laughs> Doc has bronchitis, you people. I'm, yeah. I'm going to go take lots of drugs and walk my dog and then go to bed. I think that's amazing. I'm gonna go read cat scan <laughs> for the for the rest of the night. Oh, um, but I, well, it may it may or may not dogs, be right? your season, but it is the holiday season. So I want to wish you, uh, Gladys, and you, Kyle, uh, a merry holiday season. Uh, merry Christmas oh. to those who celebrate uh, early Christmas, and uh, we'll see you back here on the day okay. after Christmas on the 26th. Merry holiday, yeah. everybody. Yeah, happy happy merry holidays. Be well. I will talk yes. to you guys soon. Absolutely. That's what we hope Feel for. Better, Gladys. Yeah. Bye. You can find us on Twitter, Gladys at Gladys L. Tyler, Docs at TFS Doc. I'm at Senra Says. Dan's at the B League Says, just in case you want to hear some more uh, B League rants. And of course, follow us all on uh, on on yeah on Twitter at going for underscore two for everything going for two. And you can check out the website at going for two.com. Yeah, on behalf of Gladys and Doc and everyone who was in the chat, we appreciate everyone. Uh, all the comments, all the questions. I uh, thought that was great yes. interaction. Thank you guys. I'll be back in a couple of weeks, Doc. I'm looking forward to that. And good luck next week uh, without me. I'm sure you'll 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 both do just fine without me ranting and interrupting everyone. And it'll probably run smoother. I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll you will be missed, but uh, we'll we'll try to hold it down the best we can going into championship week. So good luck to everybody that's still alive in the playoffs. And uh, hopefully next week's show will be meaningful for you because that means you're in the finals and uh, it's it's time to go after those championships. So looking forward to it. And of course. We uh, look forward to having you back here. If you want to join us in the chats again, check out the Going for Two YouTube page if you want to interact with us live. And until next time, this is the Two Point Monday Night Conversion. <laughs>